Amen, amen. Hey, grab a seat, and as you do, get a copy of God's Word in front of you to John chapter 8. If you uh, need a copy of God's Word, there's a Bible somewhere in a seat around you. Just get uh, John chapter 8 open in front of you today. I want to start. We so often are asking God to do a great work in our midst, and and, uh, for as often as we ask, we also need to stop and celebrate when He does it. Amen? And so let's celebrate some things here this morning. Yesterday, as has already been mentioned, this building was full of our teenagers from 6th to 12th grade uh, with our Winterfest. And I just got to, yeah, 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 yeah. God did, God did a great work in this place. And I just, I want to tell you something. I want to speak to the generations represented here above, older than our teenagers. I think we can so often be so uh, worried about the next generation. And yes, yes, there is much to pray for. But let me assure you of something. We have a generation who's seeking hard after the Lord. And if your soul needs encouraged, step into this room on a day like yesterday and watch teenagers get after it in the worship of our Savior. I'm telling you, the kingdom of God is in good hands and they're going to seek the Lord and they're going to seek his kingdom. And it's awesome to see the work that he's doing. Uh, will you do me a favor and would you just thank the leaders who pour the gospel in their lives into these teenagers. It's beautiful what God is doing in our midst, in our kids, our students, our young adult uh, ministries, and we give him all the glory. Uh, Hey, um, one of the things God's called us to here is to plant churches, and uh, often we talk about them a lot as we plant them, but we uh, don't report. I just want to tell you some really neat things God's doing. Uh, In 2020, the fall of 2020, uh, we planted Doxa Bible Church in Franklin Township. Uh, uh, That church, uh, to the glory of God, is absolutely packed to the gills on Sunday morning, and they're going to two services here in two weeks because of it. So we thank the Lord. We just thank the Lord for that. And then we know God has called us to plant a church in Perry Township, Lord willing, this year. Uh, Ascend Bible Church, uh, there's just a beautiful work going on. The core group is meeting Sundays, 4.30. Sundays at 4.30, they meet at Doxa Bible Church. And so uh, if you're here and you're from Perry and you're like, I had no idea this church is planting a church there. We are. And you have to go check out the work that the Lord is doing uh, every Sunday evening, 4.30 at Doxa Bible Church. Go be a part of this core group. If God is stirring, even if you don't live in Perry, Go, go see what God is doing and be part of this awesome work. And then I just want to get something before you as a church that we would ask the Lord for. Uh, The Lord has really burdened us and set our sights on a facility on 135 just south of Thompson Road that we just are asking him for to launch a send Bible church out of. If it looks familiar, you probably got your license renewed there at one time. And so uh, if you drive past this old BMV on 135 just south of Thompson, Road. If you go into Indy for work, just every, every single day, every time you drive past, just look over and say, God, would you give us that place to launch a Send Bible Church out of? We just want to boldly ask him for that, and we thank him for what he's doing. And then, hey, a few years back, a whole group of people started driving to Redeemer from Greensburg, Indiana. And uh, we are just praised the Lord that God had sent them, but we told them, if God is bringing you here, that means God is probably sending you right back to your community. And so this contingent of uh, Greensburg folks uh, went up to Doxa to see the early years of a brand new church with the goal that God would then lead them to plant a church in Greensburg. God has raised up a pastor, and uh, we're excited that this year it looks like the Lord will plant the Rock Bible Church in Greensburg, Indiana, with that group. Now, 
What's so neat is uh, this group, uh, this group had really been stirring. Like they believed uh, that they were to launch this church out of uh, the, a little building attached to the Rural King in Greensburg. And if you don't know, Rural King is like the mall in Greensboro, okay? It's, this is such a great location. We've just been asking, Lord, will you give us that place to launch the rock? And he has. He has. And so uh, Rural King, li- listen to the story. It's awesome. Uh, they, they reached out to Rural King, and our first ask was this, will you give us the building? And they're like, well, we can't do that. We're like, okay, what can you do? And so we get on a phone call with Rural King, some of our leaders here in Docks and the Rock, and uh, the guy who makes these decisions for Rural King, like corporate, uh, he's like, tell me what's going on. And we're like, hey, there's, we're planting this church. And the guy's like, I'm a church planner. He's a bivocational church planner. And so they gave us this facility for half, half of the least asking price uh, that they were asking for. We just praise God for that. Amen. Amen. And then finally, we finally, we can't start today without thanking the Lord for the way he's manifesting his presence among his people right now all over the country. We thank him for the work of renewal and revival at Asbury. We thank him for the work that's going on even at Cedarville and on campuses all over. And we ask him for that right here. Amen. And I pray that as we've been walking through the gospel of John and just every single week just holding up Jesus, I pray you're sensing his sweetness among us. I pray you're sensing what God's doing among us. And we just want to stop right now as we turn to God's word and we want to ask him, Lord, pour your spirit out among us. Do something in our midst that only you can do, so only you get the glory. God, meet with our hearts in real, tangible, specific ways. And so let's ask him right now. Father, thank you for the work you're doing. And Lord, we mean that with every fiber of our beating. Thank you. And God, we pray right now as we turn to your word, God, would you do a work in our hearts? Would it be so real and so tangible? God, would we sense the work you're doing? And Lord, would we be obedient to what you're asking us to? And so God, we just confess any sin and lay it before you that's quenching your spirit. And Lord, we just turn and we say we long for, Lord, pour your spirit out among us, please. God, all of our eyes on you, all of our hearts towards you. God, we want you to be glorified in this place. And so, God, would you do it in our midst? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, as we turn to John chapter 8, and we look at a teaching and a dialogue Jesus is having here, what I hope we walk out of here with today is this, the sufficiency of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I say the sufficiency of the Lord Jesus Christ, what I'm talking about is that all that we need and all that our heart wants is found in Jesus Christ. Now, I bring that up because in, in John chapter 8, this is packed. This is packed full of, of Jesus teaching us who he is. He's going to talk about the fact that he is light. He's going to talk about the fact that he is life. He's going to talk about truth, and he's going to declare himself as God. Light, life, truth, God. And now in our day and age, in any spiritual conversation we could get into, these topics might come up. Topics about light, and how do we find light, and and where do we go after light? Topics about life, What does it mean to have life and eternal life and spiritual life? Topics about truth. What is truth? How can we know what truth is? And topics in spiritual conversations about God. Who is he and how do we know? But here's the thing. You know it and I know it. As we get into many of these spiritual conversations, the conversation around those topics can go so weird so fast. What is light and 
How do I find light? And go to the inner light. No, hogwash. Light can be known concretely, and his name is Jesus. Life can be known concretely, and his name is Jesus. Truth can be known concretely, and his name is Jesus. God can be known concretely, and his name is Jesus. And the Lord declares these before us today. So big idea today, just simply is this. Jesus is light, life, truth, God. Amen? He is light, he's life, and truth, and God. Now, this has massive implications for our normal, everyday, regular lives. If you walked in here today and you felt like you're in spiritual darkness, hope today. Hope today. Lift up your eyes. There's hope today. If you walked in here today and you feel like you've just been grasping around in the dark of life, there's hope today. And the hope is light. If you walked in here today and you feel dead, yeah, you know you're alive, you're, 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 you're breathing, you're moving, you know you're here, but something inside of you feels dead. There's hope today, and the hope is life, and that life is offered in Jesus Christ. If you walked in here today, and you're, like, you're just burdened that this sin in your life, you cannot get over it. You feel like there is no hope. You keep coming back to the things that you say you want to go away from. There's hope today, and the hope is found in the truth of Jesus Christ. And if you walked in here today, and you're just brought here today, and you're like, who is God today? Today, you can know who this God is. Let's let God's word speak for himself. First thing we want to look at today is this. Jesus is light, delivering us from darkness. Jesus is light, delivering us from darkness. The word of God says this, John chapter 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony's not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I came from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I'm the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Jesus is light, delivering us from darkness. There's a couple of things happen at this point and a couple of things happening at this point in the conversation Jesus is having with these Pharisees. Jesus has made a declaration, I am the light of the world. This is the second time you see Jesus say, I am attached with something else. He said before, I am the bread of life. Now in John's gospel it's recorded, I am the light of the world. 
And now the Pharisees go after, how can you make these claims? And Jesus spends the rest of this paragraph we have here defending why he can make this claim and why what he says is true. But I I want us to spend some time on just this idea of what did Jesus mean when he said, I am the light of the world. Now, I've already alluded to it. It's so important that we understand when Jesus says he's the light of the world, he means something by that. And what he means is concrete and tangible. And, and the amount of, again, the amount of spiritual conversations that I've been in where we get into so much like spiritual hubbubaloo that I'm like, I don't even know what we're talking about right now. We just got to go find our inner light. Mm. What does that mean? Go, we just got to go after the light. What are we talking about? When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he means something by that. And and we can know it. Now, how do we know? How do we know what Jesus means? So what did this mean and what does it mean for us? To discern meaning, we have to look at the context in which the words Jesus spoke are spoken. And there's a couple things contextually, that can help us understand what Jesus meant. There's, there's the context Jesus is literally in when he says these words, I am the light of the world. And then there's the context of all of Scripture and what Scripture has to say about light. Let's start with the context that Jesus speaks these words, I am the light of the world. Jesus is at the Feast of Tabernacles. It's one of the main Jewish feasts in the year. It happens in Jerusalem. And now something kind of cool would happen as darkness would descend on Jerusalem during the Feast of the Tabernacle. Some scholars would say this ritual happened every night. Other scholars say, no, it didn't happen every night. It happened some nights of the feast. But what would happen as night set in, there's four huge lamps in the courtyards. And these lamps would be lit. And so Covering Jerusalem would be this light that is pouring out from the temple. And it's within the context of this feast and this ritual that Jesus stands and says, I am the light of the world. You all, each night, you're looking towards Temple Mount and the light that is shining out. Know this, a greater temple has come who is going to give light out into the darkness of the world. How cool is that? But now, that statement made in the midst of that feast is also embedded in the context of all that Scripture has to say about light. What does God's Word say about light? Well, it was a pillar of fire that led the Israelites out of their bondage. A cloud by day and a fire by night to light their way. Psalm 119 tells us the Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. There's this reality that light, God's light, it guides us in the darkness. Isaiah chapter 49 tells us that the Messiah will be a light to the Gentiles. It is God's light that draws us from the darkness. Praise God, right? Psalm 27 verse 1 says this, you are, the, uh, you are my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? It is God's light that melts away the fear of darkness. And so the, the light of God throughout the Old Testament, it, it, it is 
it's a guiding force. The, the, the light of God is a drawing force, drawing us from, like, from, from darkness. And the light of God is also a, 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 a one that melts away the fear of darkness. Now, you come to the New Testament, and literally, uh, flesh is put on this. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the one who guides in the darkness. I am the one who draws you from the darkness. And I am the one who melts away the fear of darkness. Now, Paul picks up on this theme. And Paul writes something so cool in a letter to the church at Corinth that we have in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And Paul says this, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts. Stop right there. The God who said, let there be light and there was light has literally shone in our hearts to do what? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. God is shining his light into our heart to give us the knowledge of his glory. And how is he doing that? The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Praise God. His light shining in our heart so we see his glory. How do we see his glory? We look to the face of Jesus Christ. Now, it gets better. Do you want to hear how it gets better? There's a future reality of the light that will come from Jesus, who says, I am the light of the world. And the future reality is us living in the presence of his light, unmarred, unhindered, and without this sin hangover that we're dealing with here. And, and John, the same John who's writing this gospel, he gets a revelation of the new heavens and the new earth. And we call this revelation he gets in our Bibles the book of the book of Revelation, very good. And he says this, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Oh Lord, we can't wait for that. To be in his light unhindered, untainted, unaffected by sin. We long for that day, amen. And so though Jesus has said, I am the light of the world. Now, what does that mean for us? He goes on to say here, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. To follow him is to not walk in darkness. And so all of this talk in our day and age about being enlightened, literally at its base meaning, to be enlightened means to give light to. Hear me now. If we want to be enlightened to the truest sense of what it means to be enlightened, to, to, to have light given, we don't need to go off and get some hidden knowledge. Look to Christ. We don't need to turn inside of ourselves to find enlightenment. Look to Christ. He is the light of the world. And whoever follows him will not walk in darkness. 
this light he describes as light of life. Now, what does it mean that Jesus gives light of life? Let's talk about this idea of life. Jesus is life, delivering us from sin's penalty. Jesus actually goes on to speak about life and death. Verse 21. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me. And then he doesn't pull any punches. He says it directly. And he says this, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world that I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me, and he who, is, uh, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Uh, Jesus is life. He delivers us from sin's penalty. Why, why do I say that based on what Jesus has said here? There's three times in this paragraph Jesus says, you will die in your sins, you will die in your sins, you will die in your sins. God's word is so clear and Jesus is so clear. The wages or the penalty for sin is death. Now, that reality has to sink into us today as to how dire that spiritual reality is. We, we have to understand God is so holy. He is so holy. We can't even fathom his holiness. The best of the writings that we have on the holiness of God can't even scratch the surface as to how holy he is. We are so sinful. The best of our offerings like filthy rags in the sight of a holy God. That's a problem because no one stained by sin can enter the presence of a holy God. And all of us walk in here today with sin-stained hands. God says the price for that, the penalty for that sin, it's death. It's perishing. It is hell. This is a dire spiritual reality. But there's an unless in the paragraph. You will die in your sins. Look at what it says in verse 24. I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he. There's a way we can be delivered from sin's penalty. There's a way this death sentence can be lifted. And how is that? It's us believing that Jesus is the Savior who has come to die for our sins. God saw us with our sin-stained hands. He saw us in the reality of our sin. He knew that we could not 
earn our way to him. And his perfect love flowed in with his perfect justice. And he said, I will send my son. My son will bear your penalty. My son will die your death. My son will carry your cross. My son will lie in your grave. But then he said, my son will do what you never could do. My son will breathe again. My son will stand from his deathbed. My son will walk faith from in Jesus Christ. You have never believed on him. You don't need to be wondering, how do I get this life? How do I get this life? What are the steps I have to do? How good do I have to be? Here it is, here it is. The Bible is so clear. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved today, today. Run to the cross of Christ. Let his death substitute for your death. Receive the life that comes only from him. Let his righteousness be put on like a robe about you. And that happens the moment you believe today. Would you call on him today? The beauty of the unless in this passage. And so in Christ, he says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows him will not walk in darkness. He says that we will die in our sins unless, unless we believe that he is the Messiah, the Savior, and we're delivered from sin's penalty. But Jesus has come not only to deliver us from sin's penalty, he's also, let me say it like this, Jesus has come not only to deliver us from sin's penalty one day, Jesus has come to deliver us from sin's power today. How do I know that? Look at your Bibles, verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, let's stop there. Think about the simplicity of what Jesus says here. Here it is, third point. Jesus is truth, delivering us from sin's power. How does he deliver us from sin's power? Look at the simplicity of what Jesus has said here. He said, if you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you abide in my word, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, they asked the question you were hoping they'd ask. Free from what? They're literally about to say, we're not slaves to anyone. What are you talking about being free? We don't have to be free from anyone. Look what they say in verse 33. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham, and we've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So where do we need to be honest with ourselves today? Okay. Covered by the grace of God, covered under the love of God, where do we need to be honest with ourselves? Where have we been saying, man, I'm just really struggling with that sin? Man, we just kind of keep struggling, stumbling over this. Where do we need to say, I'm a slave to the sin? Anyone, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Lord, we see it, right? We see it. We see where we come back to the sin again and again. We see how like the very things we hate doing, we find ourselves continuing to do. 
And we're crying out today like the Apostle Paul does in the book of Romans. Who can deliver us from this body of death? Who can? Who can? Jesus can. Look at what he says here. So if, verse 36, so if the Son sets you free, you will be, what's it say? Free indeed. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because, look at what he says, my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my, with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. So think about the hope that we have here right now today. Jesus has said, if we abide in his word, we will know his truth and the truth will set us free. Some of you have walked in here today so convicted. Convicting, conviction is a good thing from the Holy Spirit. Some of you walk in here today so filled with shame. Shame is a tactic of the enemy. But regardless of if it's good conviction or bad shame, some of us walk in here today and we can't believe we fell into the same sin again this week. Some of us walk in here having walked the aisles, come down front last week, kneeled and said, God, I do want to leave this sin. Please help me leave this sin. And maybe you found yourself doing the very same things you were kneeling at the altar last week saying you don't want to do. Where's the hope? Where's the power to actually be free from our sin? Jesus tells us if we abide in his word, we will know his truth and the truth will set us free. Do you believe today, Christian, who has heard all of the promises about the word of God maybe your whole life, but do you believe today that the truths of God's word has power to put down the lies of Satan's temptations? Do you believe it today? And if we do, how are we going to walk out of here and let God's word set us free? Set free by God's word. Here it is. Set free by God's word. Number one, we got to be reading it. You with me, church? We got to read it. Right? We got to read it. Look real quick what Psalm 19, just on the screen. Psalm 19, look at all the promises God says about his word. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Come on, let's want that from the word of God. Amen? We got to be in it. We got to be reading it. But as we read it, we got to meditate on it. it when, when we read God's word, if we want to be set free by his truth, we don't just read it and then set it aside. We meditate on it. We chew on it. We let the word of God run through our mind and work on our heart. Psalm chapter 1 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Oh God, teach us how to meditate on your word. Teach us how to hold it and savor it and chew on it all day long. Let it work over in our mind and work on our heart. 
And as we're reading it and meditating on it, we got to memorize it. we got to memorize it. Psalm 119 tells us this, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Come on, the power of the word of God. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, when we memorize it, here's what, hap- here's what happens. We read it, we meditate on it, we memorize it, and then we can fight with it. We can fight with it. Come on, Tim, you got it. Our sword. Ephesians chapter 6, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. When we are in spiritual battle, we have to wield our sword, which means we have to read God's Word, which means we have to meditate on God's Word, which means we have to know God's Word. Some of us, are we, we succumb to the same sin over and over and over again. We have the same besetting sins that we go back to. You need to know something today. God's word has truth in his word that can combat the lies you're believing about those sins from the enemy. And if you will hide God's word in your heart, you, blood-bought, spirit-indwelt follower of Jesus, when you find yourself in the face of battle, the spirit of God will reach down in there and bring before you the truth of God, which can overcome the lie of the enemy. We believe it. Do you believe it? You who went to Awana and you know all the memory verses, do you believe it? You who went to Bible colleges and you measured, you memorized chapter after chapter. Do you believe it though? And are you wielding it like a sword? Or are we just like in Psalm 119, I've hidden your word in my heart, my sin against you. Do we know the power of the word of God? If you abide in my word, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Some of you can be set free from your sin, the bondage, the slavery to your sin today by purely believing in the power of the Word of God today. We read it, we meditate on it, we memorize it, we fight with it, but guess what, guess what, guess what? Say what? What if we got to obey it? We got to obey it. James 1, 22 but he, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We got to believe it. We got to obey it. We got to read it. We got to obey it. Every day when we're in the word, us and the Lord, we got to be asking, Lord, what, do you want to be, what, what are you asking me to obey from this? Every time we come to church, we sit under his word, Lord, what are you asking me to obey from this? We read it. We meditate. We memorize. What was the fourth one? We fight with it. And we obey it. So Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Jesus said, in him we have life. Jesus has said, by him we'll know the truth, and the truth will set us free. Now look at this declaration as John chapter 8 ends. So beautiful, so powerful. I'm picking it up in verse 48. The Jews answered him, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? 
Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God, but you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say to you that I do not know him, I'd be a liar like you, but I do know him. And I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Are you ready? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus is, I am. And when he said this, the crowd went crazy. Not in a good way. This was the epitome of blasphemies of blasphemy. This reached all the way back to Moses at the burning bush. When Moses asked, well, what if I go to Israel? And they ask, who sent you? And the Lord says, tell them I am sent you. Jesus is unequivocally declaring himself to be God. I am. Am and they go crazy. So they picked up their stones, verse 59. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Listen to me now. Two people and only two kinds of people in the room here today. Two people and only two kinds. Those of you who walked in here not yet knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior, you got to hear this today. You got to hear the hope. Jesus Christ says he's the light of the world. If you walked in here today feeling your life feels so dark, you feel like you're just wandering around in darkness. Sure, the lights are on in the room, but you feel like there's, you're in a dark room of your soul. Jesus Christ today, he tells you, literally he told you, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will walk in the light of life. Follow him today. Jesus says that he is life. Unless you believe in him, you will die in your sin. But he has made a way, dying in your place, that you would have life in him. Jesus says today he has the power to deliver you from your sin by his truth. And Jesus declares before you today that he is God. Will you believe him? And will you give him your life today? But this isn't true. These aren't truths only for unbelievers in the room today. Christians, will you hear these truths today and will you rest in them this week? Will you rest in the reality that you are walking, you are following after the one who said he is the light of the world? Will you rest in that this week? Will you rest in the reality that if you are in Christ, you have life? Think about this now, and I don't say this flippantly. I say this with all seriousness. Do you know what the worst thing that could happen to you this week is? You could die. But the reality is, if you are in Christ, to die and pass from this world is to be more alive than you've ever been. Rest in that this week. Death, where is your victory? Christians, know and rest in, the, rest in the reality that Jesus says, if the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. And Christians, rest in the reality that Jesus says, I am, period. So just stand right now and let's worship him for the realities he's declared before us from his word today.